Welcome to League One Fun. We're brought to you by the Beautiful Game Network and brought to you by Roughneck Scarves. Please subscribe, rate, and review us wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Ira Jersey, just back from the United Soccer Coaches Convention and putting some shows together for our faithful listeners during this offseason. First on today's episode, it's a coaches show. Alex Blackburn, the goalkeeper coach for the Greenville Triumph. Followed by Brad Nine. He is the director of the Tormenta FC Academy, and he once coached Indiana Vasilev, who just this past weekend made his Premier League debut. A guy from South Georgia, Tormenta, getting his start. Finally, I have a very long conversation with head coach of forward Madison Darrell Shore. He gets into his new technique for building his roster this season. It's not going to be one you'll want to miss. Without further ado, here's me talking to these three coaches. Welcome back to League One Fun. We're here with Alex Blackburn at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. Alex is the goalkeeper coach, and are you the head assistant coach? Is that your title? I, I would categorize myself as the head assistant, but I would just say I would say assistant. So, how did it come that John Harks or someone else at the Greenville Triumph ask you? to come in and uh, take that role and help the goalkeepers for the team that ended up at, at the end of last season being the best defensive team in the league. Uh, yeah, so um, basically um, I've known John for a relatively long time. Uh, one of his best friends was my former boss at Monmouth University, Robert McCourt. Um, they grew up together as part of the uh, Carney boys, so to speak. And um, it's a very small group of guys that um, basically uh put me on the map so to speak in terms of my coaching career he Rob McCourt was very much I'd say sort of my soccer father so to speak in terms of my development as a coach but uh basically I, I was put in contact with John and uh we hit it off from our first uh phone conversation and next thing you know was down in Greenville, South Carolina. And what did you do prior to joining the Triumph? So I know you have a, I, I know a little bit about your right. coaching journey, but let's talk a little bit about um, uh, wh- what was so your pathway there. If I can start with the, uh, from the very beginning, I, I grew up in Boston, Massachusetts and, uh, and played for a local club, which I believe is now known as NEFC, uh, which is uh, Ed Kelly's club, um, who, who just actually retired as the Boston College head coach. Um, I played, for, I played for that club up in Massachusetts. Um, from there, I ended up going to Monmouth University where I played for Rob McCourt um, for four years there. Uh, from there, you know, various trips abroad, different places, Sweden, England, places like that. Um, probably at that point, I realized that I didn't really want to play professionally as much as I m- might have liked. However, um, when I sat down in, in, in Rob McCourt's office when I was originally making the decision to go to Monmouth, he asked me what I wanted to do, and my answer to him was uh, I, wanted to, I wanted to be a soccer coach, which is a, a little abnormal in, in comparison to other people, and at least in relation to um, you know, everybody wants to be a pro soccer player. I, I kind of wanted to be a pro coach, so... You know, things sort of... Well, t- it's pretty early in your mo- career and you're the there right already. So, yeah. you, you know, aspiration achieved. Yeah, That's so, great. Um, so talk to me about and, and talk to us about your, you know, you, you get the call, you're headed down to Greenville, you end up packing up at home in New Jersey, you drive down presumably in a U-Haul or something, unpack. What's that first day and first meeting like when you got together with the rest of the uh, the coaching staff uh, that on day one uh, building out the Greenville Triumphs roster. Yeah, I'll tell you, it was, it was, it was January 22nd. I, I, remember, I remember that very easily. Um, where, meanwhile, I am absolutely terrible with dates. It's amazing. I, I can't remember my mother's birthday. <laughs> but uh, so, I, so for whatever reason, I remember uh, January 22nd is when John and I first sat down and just sort of you know, you, 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 you got to dive straight in. And um, basically, obviously, at the time, we had a brand new club, not very many players signed, so we sort of had to hit the ground running, so to speak, in terms of trying to get as, see as many players and talk about as many players as possible and obviously what players fit the style of soccer that we were looking to accomplish this past year. So when you think about it, so your specialty is goalkeeping, yes. and so when you guys were looking for goalkeepers, what was the first thing that you did? Was it a matter of talking to agents and saying who's available? Was it we have some targets uh, that we know are available because their contracts expired? What, what was that process like looking for those so first couple of From uh, my perspective, the, the, the process was so new 
because I'm, I'm used to recruiting high school players for, for college at, at Monmouth University. And um, obviously, this is a completely different animal. Um, I, do, I, did know, uh, I do know a lot about the college landscape and what players are available. So immediately, I'm thinking about, so from the keeper's perspective, I'm thinking about players that um, are just graduating. So it would have been the, uh, what, uh, 2018, 19 graduate class, in and around there. Regardless, I, I, I certainly knew a number of players that, were, that had been out of college and were floating around. So that was our first thought. But um, I, as you know, when you, you, when you have a resource like John Harks, he, he, he's got a plan and he knows certainly enough people to, to formulate, formulate some sort of a, a, a path of how we're going to go. And um, as I as I stepped on board, it was basically the same time that that Dallas J was more was was signed on. Right. And so so you knew that at that point you like you have a very experienced keeper, someone who, you know, has national team a national team pedigree at this point. He had a few caps for 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 Guam at the time. Right. What was it like, you know, meeting him for the first time? Was there was there a set expectation, and you know, was it, hey, you're my coach, or was there any kind of adversarial relationship? Just being like, hey, what what do you know that I don't know? We're, you know, right. almost the same age, I would imagine. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's a really the the good news is is that when I more or less stepped into to a coaching role in the college game. Again, I wasn't too much older than the players that I was coaching. So it's sort of something that I've been dealing with my entire coaching career at this point. Um, so the, the biggest thing is just getting to know the person, more importantly, and sort of seeing what they're about. Um, and not for nothing, but he's had fantastic experiences in the professional game uh, with, uh, with Phoenix. And then obviously his collegiate career at Xavier as well as um, South Florida. So it's, it's a situation where um, my objective was to pick his, pick his brain see what he likes to do and what he doesn't like to do because at the end of the day it's a collaboration when it comes to goalkeepers because it's such a, a specific position and sort of see where he's at what he likes to do what he doesn't like to do and see how that correlates with sort of my philosophy as a goalkeeper coach so dallas played all but one match last season during league play and that was primarily because and the only reason he missed the match was because he was off on international duty correct how do you keep the goalkeepers behind him motivated and working hard, being ready to step up in a moment's notice in case you know Dallas got hurt or you know something else happened right. that that caused him not to play? Uh, you know th- that that has to be a difficult mental challenge for those guys behind him, right? Yes. Well, it's 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 sort of the roles and responsibilities as a goalkeeper in general. We, we've all been there in one one way or another in terms of it, it takes a certain certain type of person really in terms of being able to basically be mentally switched on to be ready for ready to play at all times when in reality 99% of the time when you're the number two goalkeeper and you're sitting on the bench rarely are you going to be called upon however you need to be mentally and physically prepared to step on at a moment's notice whether it be an injury so it, it obviously in this case when we knew Dallas was going to be away for international duty uh, with Guam we we obviously prepared accordingly, and we and we knew that we were going to give a, one of our goalkeepers an opportunity to um, to get his feet wet. And it was great to get Miguel Uribe on the field, and it was it was a really emotional moment for both of us in terms of he he you know his dreams were coming true, and uh, you know getting a, getting a little emotional now about it because you know it, coming from Colombia, it was an extremely long journey for him, and um, playing at the uh, Division Two level, not too far from uh, not too far from us in Greenville. And um, he's just a fantastic player and an even, an even better person. So we were super happy to give him his first opportunity. That's great. So I did a little thing last year where I counted how many uh, people were in the front office or, or in the soccer side of uh, and technical side of the New York Red Bulls versus the Greenville Triumph and the Richmond Kickers just to do that. And it, it occurs to me that you must hold multiple roles within Greenville Triumph because there's a lot of things that you uh, have to do because you just have, you know, maybe five or six people on the technical side whereas the you know the Red Bulls have 20 something on, right, on the technical right. side so what other pieces do you do besides goalkeeper coach because clearly you know maybe compared to some other uh, some other coaches who are worried about different tactical drills and things like that what other um, responsibilities do you have within the club right. so um my my thought process is always to try and be as proactive as possible um you know, you, you talk about that first that first meeting with John, uh, January twenty second, uh, almost a year ago now. 
Um, I was ordering uh, training equipment. Not something I'm particularly familiar with, but it was something that we needed, and it was obvi- it's obviously crucial to to our training sessions. So I was just like, okay, I'm just going to dive into this thing, for example. But um, what was that out of curiosity? Was that just for goalkeeper training, or was that for for everyone, for the whole team, our, our, our entire team? Right. So John says we need bibs, we yes, need we need, we need this, cones, we need that, we need, uh, yeah. So that it, obviously it's so you're the procurement manager for the technical yeah, side. Yeah, and, and that was before we had an equipment manager and all that stuff, because again, it was still so early in our process, just as a club. Um, but um, primarily I'm working a lot on the video stuff so obviously analysis of our last match what can we improve on what do we do successfully and how can we make sure we continue to do that while also scouting the opposition where we watch two or three games get consistent trends on what they're good at how can we exploit them and uh, obviously from there we as as we get closer to the weekend that's when we sit down with the with the team both as a group and as in, and as individuals to given the best opportunity to have success on the weekend. Now, now that we're in this period of, you know, rebuilding the roster, so I think you you have 15-ish players on your roster at the moment. You're obviously probably going to add, you know, another 8 to 10 people, something like that, um, over the, the course of the next month or two. What, um, how do you discover and find those players, and, and do you do any other video analysis? Do you have Instat or Scout? you know, one of these platforms that you use for that initially, and then... You know, I, I take it you don't have a big travel budget to go watch any of these guys play. And, uh, you, you know, ha- so so what is that process like in filling out the rest of the roster? Um, it's, it's, I think it's something that I, I truly enjoy. I'm a, I'm a big fan of the college game. Um, so I often, am, you know, it, you talk about platforms. We often use Instat um, to look into players. Um, there's obviously pros and cons behind all that stuff as well because at the end of the day you still need to get to know them as an individual. So uh, unfortunately at times you do end up losing out on some players that you might have been able to pick up if you if you offered them contracts early on in the process well at the same time you know you, you're invested you're investing the ownership's money and obviously uh, an entire year of of this player's career and you need to make sure you get it right because if you don't get it right then all of a sudden it's you're you're, you're attempting to try and play catch up basically in terms of um giving your team the best opportunity to have success so um, I try to be as proactive as possible, so I'm watching from the very first college game of the season, and then obviously the relationships we create with various agents, and obviously watching USL champion stuff, championship stuff as well as MLS. Um, so talk, talk a little bit about open tryouts. So one of the great things about USL League One is that there's been some of these diamonds in the rough who, you know, kind of came out of nowhere. And obviously, if you start with you know 200 people at a some kind of open tryout, maybe you get one that you think is worth, you know having a longer look at and then and then ultimately giving a uh, um, uh, and then ultimately giving a contract to what's the um, what's the, f- the you know the, the motivation you think for some of these guys and how they do more um, I was I would certainly well the open tryout situation is is obviously something that we do with the purpose of giving the community an opportunity to be part of Greenville Triumph obviously um, it's so important for us to identify with our community and at the end of the day without 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 our fans and without our um, without our ownership group we're, we're nothing we're we're non-existent you know so it's important that we give our community an opportunity to at least have a have a tryout you know get an opportunity to get in front of us you know and from our perspective it's the obviously the level's a little all over the place but it's the importance of just having the, the community involved and just making sure that we're looking down every single avenue. Because at the end of the day, it's, it is very exciting when you do find the diamond in the rough that, you know, if you're just being brutally honest, maybe you didn't really expect, which is always gratifying. So how much soccer do you imbibe outside of work? Is it any or is it, okay, I'm, I have to watch this college game or I have to watch this championship game or, you know, I'm watching preseason for the MLS right. in case there's someone that they drop that we it, think it's, might fit It's a somewhere. great question. It's a great question. Um, I try to find a balance, but as you know, when, when I'm in front of the computer for, you know, five, six hours of the day doing our various film stuff, obviously, um, whether it be our matches or opposition's matches as we move forward, but, you know, obviously, who, who doesn't love watching the Premier League on the weekend? So, right. um, unfortunately, my, my girlfriend, Jamie, she, she ends up getting a little too much uh, <laughs> soccer exposure and saturation, I guess you could say. 
but uh, I like to think that I can I can find a balance. Um, but uh, you know, first thing in the the good news is first thing in the morning, so I can get my fill in, and then by uh, uh, by by the evening I can sort of switch off a little bit. But as so, you know, it's it's full time all the time. Well, especially when you're when you're podcasting a league and you have to watch every single match just to to kind of keep up. I don't right. know how I'm going to do that this year, quite <laughs> frankly, with a couple more teams. The so two last two questions. So one is, you know, do you still play? And if you do, like, are you you playing in a men's league or pickup or you know, do do, do you just crush people I, in, uh, in the field? I, I do not play. I do not play. Um, it, it, actually, funnily enough, when we, when we had a couple injuries. Um, I did jump and go for a couple of training sessions, but it was not pretty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, least, you lose but, that match sharpness you know, when every, you're not playing. You know, right? Reps ha- are important. We have a great group of guys, so of course they're like, "Hey, good, good job today, Alex." And, I, and I'm just like, "Nah, man, nah, it's, it, it's it's depressing, <laughs> really. It's depressing um, it, because at the end of the day, in my college career, I always say that I, I was the I was the best of a below average situation. <laughs> <laughs> well, if if you ever make it back up to Jersey and you want to play uh, play goalie on an over forty team, we allow. Uh, people 30 and up. To, oh, you get a call play. up. You, so yeah. you have slots like our international slots. Yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, 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 exactly. You get, you get like one I'll one under one under 40 player on your team, but they have to be a goalkeeper. That, that's, that's kind of the deal. <laughs> yeah. um, so le- last question, you know, your your goal for for this season obviously is going to be to win the title. Um, but, you know, does it does the playoff format change anything in your, your guys' approach to the um, uh, to the season? I mean, you know, at this point coming in, you know, fourth isn't significantly different than coming in third really right um I, I think at the end of the day you want to try and finish as high as possible and that's just how we are as competitors right um obviously when when we when we set off on this 2020 journey the you obviously have objectives and you you want to try and set the bar as high as possible and give yourself different goals that you're looking to accomplish throughout the year but um I think the most important thing that holds true with us and our group is just taking one game at a time. My 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 only focus is is uh, Chattanooga. Right. March twenty. Uh, the end of March. Yeah, yeah. End of March. Exactly. That's and then my, that's my only focus right now. And then obviously it'll it'll snowball and, and build from there. So so that actually brings up one one other and maybe final question. You know, you obviously I'm, I'm, I'll I'll be here all day with you. <laughs> I, I, I can do this all day. Oh well, thank you, Alex. <laughs> yeah. Appreciate that. So. Uh, we're going to you're you're prepare, trying to prepare for your first game the question is you know with, with basically they're going to have almost a whole new roster you have a lot of new pieces how do you prepare for that first game right so you, you do video analysis but you can't do video analysis until you have a couple of games under so under that's every a, team's that's another spell. good one and it, we were basically dealing with the same situation a year ago a year ago that's right um and you can say the same about you know our, our preseason matches, for example. We, we started the year with um, New England Revolution. Um, got off to a good start, but unfortunately it didn't end up working out for us. But uh, yeah, uh, when it's so early in the process, it's so important to make sure that you're still worrying about yourselves. And when I mean worrying, I mean looking to improve on, on your team. Because at the end of the day, I like to think that if we play well, we'll have a good opportunity against mo- every team in our league. And I'd like to think that we'd have an, have a, at least a, a shot at, at getting some sort of result against championship level teams. So that that might be a little overconfident, but at the end of the day, when we're starting early in this process, it's so important that we should get ourselves right first. And then as we start to build on that and build confidence and have positive moments, then that's when we can really get into the details of the opposition and really to build on things from there. Well, since you already said that you have time, I'll ask you this. So we, we met here at the United Soccer Coaches Convention. We're doing this interview there. So right. apologies for any background noise that our listeners might be hearing. But what is what, what are you doing here? Are you taking courses? What's, uh, what, you know, what's the reason that, that you're at the convention? Well, this is my first time coming. I, I know I briefly mentioned, to, mentioned this uh, before we went on air, but... Um, I, I'm I'm just looking to always continue to pick something up new. Uh, I was just upstairs uh, listening to um, a couple of goalkeeper coaches at the academy level at uh, DC United, New York Red Bulls, and NYCFC. Good little contingency of guys right there, and um, great presentation. And then along with that, a uh, a Q and A that was very beneficial for me. You know, it, you know, most of the stuff that I'm hearing I've heard before. However, it's reassuring the ideas that, that you're sort of holding to but you always tend to pick up a couple of things here and there and then um and that's just from the goalkeeping side of things and they've got a couple of really good presenters coming up uh, i know tim dittner is going to be on and uh he's uh you 
heavily involved in the English national team youth side of things, so it'll be exciting to see what he's got to offer. And then, and not to mention, it's just an opportunity to see old friends and, and certainly meet a lot of new people as well. Great. Alex Blackburn, he is the goalkeeper coach and head assistant coach for the Greenville Triumph. Um, Alex, I hope you'll tell uh, Coach Harks thank you, and, uh, and we appreciate everything that you and the Greenville Triumph have done for our podcast and for soccer in the, uh, in the upstate. Yes, yes, of course, and, and I really appreciate you having me on. It's obviously great to just sort of share ideas and stories, and, you know, at the end of the day, it's, 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 it's you that's making this for us. Without, without you guys, we're nothing, so I appreciate you taking the time to have me on. Great, and the Greenville Triumph kickoff at the end of March along with everyone else in USL League One. Welcome back to League One Fun. I'm here with Tormenta FC Academy Direct Director. Director. Is, yep. That's your title. Brad Nine. He is uh, graciously at the United Soccer Coaches Convention and going to give us a little bit of time today to talk about the Tormenta FC pathway. So, Brad, thanks very much for coming on League One Fun. Ira, thanks for having me. Uh, this is amazing. Every year the convention's fantastic, and I'm thrilled to work with you on this opportunity to, to speak with League One Fun. So how often do you come to the, you've said that you come to the convention regularly. How many years have you come to the United Soccer Coaches Convention? I've been here about every other year since 2000. Okay. So when, <laughs> when I first started uh, coaching. So this is like your 10th, 10th uh, convention probably something. Uh, most likely. I, I grew up in the Maryland area and it was really easy to get to Baltimore for the convention. So that was my first one. And then once I got here, I was hooked. That's great. So talk to me about your coaching pathway. You know, when did you start and, you know, how did you end up ultimately as the director of the Tormenta FC Academy? Sure. I started as a, a PE teacher. Uh, well, I played at Salisbury University of Maryland, came out of there as a PE teacher and was coaching uh, high school girls soccer for four years in uh, Salisbury, Maryland, working some club, club soccer as well. Ended up going and coaching at Salisbury University on the women's side for three years and relocated down to Savannah where I got into the club game and around 2010 Jeremy Avon and I started Savannah Soccer Academy and Sweet Feet Soccer which was the a program for preschools, daycares, and elementary schools leading into uh, more advanced play as they get older. Uh, we were able to grow that from 100 to 500 kids in a couple years and uh, eventually Tormenta FC grew out of Storm Soccer Academy which Tormenta means storm in Spanish and I had done Sweet Feet for about five years and then I, I came back into leading the, the academy for the professional team this past year. That's great. So talk, talk about the pathway that you guys envision from, you know, maybe kids starting at, you know, six, seven years old and then thinking about, you know, maybe 12 or, or 14 years later, potentially playing for the first team, right? So talk to us about like how you guys envision that pathway going. It's amazing. It's, it's even younger than that, where we go into daycares and preschools and elementary schools with sweet feet, find kids when they're three and four years old and start teaching them movement education and playing fun games with a soccer ball. And my first group of kids are now 13, and we still have a group playing. So you kind of go from sweet feet, and we have a recreation model after that, and uh, pre-academy. It all adds into the parents have to have a little bit more buy-in for each. We're not doing it at the school anymore. Now they have to take their child to the field. Now they have to take their child to the field multiple days. So we value the parents highly and the, the time they put into this for their children as well. We then... You know, at eight, the years eight, when you're eight to twelve years old, we have an academy program that leads into our uh, select program, where the boys' side plays on the NPL. The girls' side currently plays South Carolina Soccer League, and both of those sides are going to have USL Academy starting in the in the next few years. So we're, you know, extremely excited about that. We even have three boys that just signed on to play League One that are still in high school. So it's it's a an amazing accomplishment in football country in Southeast Georgia. Yeah. So with, with those three high school kids, like one of the challenges is going to be, how do you, how, how do they juggle both school and playing? Because, you know, you, you probably don't play at four in the afternoon in May or June when it's the, the hottest time of the day. Mm-hmm. So how do you, how are you guys being able to, you know, make sure that they get the education that they need while at the same time get the, be able to train with the first team? 
So the great thing is we've been able to partner with the schools and we let them know early enough where they can work their day around kind of the training session where they'll go train with the first team in the morning and either do online school, have a partnership with Georgia Southern where some of them are taking some college classes already or they can go back to their high school in Savannah and continue that day just as if they were a high school junior or senior so, so it's almost just a, a couple of periods in the middle of their day where they take be basically it just uh, <laughs> happens to a, a, absolutely it's just an advanced model that amazes me still in america we're able to offer this to 16 and 17 year olds that are at the at the pr- appropriate level yeah so when when you're now speaking with um with players who are 12 13 years old and you're training them and getting ready for the usl academy cup and we'll, we'll talk about that in a minute you know, uh, do people say now, "Hey, I want to play for Tormenta. I want to, you know, I want to be the Luke, uh, you know, the Lucas Coutinho, or I want to be Connor Antley, or I, you know, I aspire to be one of these, you know, great players that's on uh, on the the first team." There's an actual vision now, so that they can see what the next steps are, and that it's a reality. It's not some dream world where the best kid out of Atlanta gets to play for the national team. Now, there's a world if I work extremely hard. I put the time in that I can find myself on a USL League One, you know, in high school team, playing, getting minutes with the League Two as well, and then playing at a high level in college, and then who knows what happens after that. It's uh, something that was never available in South Georgia or in the Bluffton Hilton Head area in the past that we've been able to bring to this to the to the table. So let's talk very briefly. So uh, upcoming is the East Coast event for the USL Academy Cup. How are the preparations going for that? And uh, you know, how many teams will you be bringing to that event? So that's over President's Day weekend. Our our boys that are born in 2003 are going to be attending. One neat concept that they have is they want three kids that are younger attending as well on the team. So we have a, an 05 and 204s that are also attending with our 03s. Uh, we've already gotten the schedule. We're playing teams, a, a team, uh, a USL franchise uh, fr- from Pittsburgh and an, another one from Louisville, and it is just. Uh, an amazing opportunity that we wouldn't normally get to play teams from out of our region uh, at this event down in down in Florida. Is it, it? It's not really a tournament. It's a little bit more of either a showcase or friendlies, right? Showcase, or, correct. Yeah. So you get you'll get over the course of four days, you get three games, right? And they, and uh, you know, working with Liam from USL USL Academy, there he's bringing in college coaches to watch, pro scouts to watch. So it's it's, it's really going to be a an opportunity for these kids that they haven't had before tied into USL where they're also adding a, an educational piece where they get to, uh, you know, coaches of at high levels get to come in and work with these kids in the classroom. So, and go back into our podcast feed because Jason had a great interview with Liam talking about the Academy Cup and uh, you can get more detail there. So let's talk about two other very exciting things that happened very recently for Tormenta. One, there's a player who got some minutes in England recently who used to play for Tormenta's Academy. Am I right about that? And what was the buzz around the office when he he came on the field for 10 minutes uh, in a uh, FA Cup match? Oh, Indy Vasilov. Yeah. now plays for Austin Villa. Oh, Villa. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And he he was with us at 12, 13, and 14. Amazing kid. Uh, most genuine person you'd ever want to meet. And he's 18 now. Is that right? He's 18 yeah. now. Uh, my, my vision of him is is carrying. He would carry his soccer backpack on his back, his school books on his front, and his instrument that he was playing in the band, <laughs> and come out to soccer practice at the age of 12 and 13 and. Uh, I've never seen somebody run faster than the ball at that age than he was. It, I mean, it was he was lights out and the nicest person, the, a great character person, and somebody that, you know, we are so proud of the kid that he is the one that is coming out and, you know, playing at this extremely high level. And, you know, he, he, you know these opportunities he has coming up to even be in, to play in, you know, 
EPL League games is just unreal for an American-born kid at this at this time right now. It would be amazing to have an American, another American in the Premier League who's playing a field player, right? So it's not, uh, you know, we've, we've had two or three goalies right. at the same time in the Premier League, but, you know, a couple of field players... Um, you know, is is pretty pretty interesting, and so you know, and and he's U twenty three eligible. Will be eligible sure. for the U twenty World Cup next year as well. So yeah, yeah, you know, and he did play on the U seventeen World Cup at the yeah. at the last event. And, yeah, that wasn't particularly uh, a good event for it, us. It wasn't great, but it was, it was great seeing him on it and being able to watch games that he played in and and that that type of thing. So yeah. it was. So let's talk also about you know the in talking about the pathway. How many players do you think are likely to go? from the academy now and choose the college route or maybe take a flyer and you know take a first team contract or a usl academy contract for the first team i think it depends on their situation uh you know there there, there's some kids that they're all in on soccer and that's what they want to do full time i also think the scenario has changed in america a little bit where you can go to, you know, a community college and play League One at the same time, uh, and there's MLS franchises around that are doing that right now, uh, or or a college in itself and play. Yeah, they on, have in, online in college classes. Right, right, right. So, right. so you kind of do, you kind of get this the best of both worlds. I don't, I don't think it's too far away for that actually happening. Um, on our League Two group, where the academy has five spots to to participate on each year so league two is definitely going to be happening with kids from the academy league one is with coach john Millaracy, the league one head coach being able to come out and observe players in the off season and see what they can do and how they can help his his, his squad they he found these the, the three boys that are going to be able to step right in and compete and uh, we're looking at one more. Hopefully, there'll be a fourth uh, as as we come into uh, the beginning of the season in February. That's great, Brad. Thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate it. That's uh, Brad Nine. He is the academy director for Tormenta FC. Is it Tormenta FC Youth or what? What's the Tormenta FC title? Academy? The Tormenta FC Academy. Yeah. Thanks very much, Brad. Appreciate Thanks, Ira. It. I appreciate it, man. Welcome back to League One Fun. We're here at the United Soccer Coaches Convention with a coach, Daryl Shore, coach of Forward Madison FC. Coach Shore, thanks very much for coming on League One Fun again. The the coach part is uh, allegedly, but uh, I appreciate you guys having <laughs> me on, and uh, it's great to be back. So, so what would so you said allegedly a coach? So what? What do you think makes a good coach? I mean, just from, you know, because, you know, you're coaching at the professional level. That might be a little different than coaching at the college level versus coaching, youth coaching, like what I do. What do you think really makes a good coach, particularly at the lower division soccer level? Um, yeah, it's a good question. I, I think the, the, mo the, the main thing is honesty uh, and, and being transparent with your players and, and letting them know that, um, in the world of managing your players, uh, there's 24 of them on, on most of our rosters in our league, some less, some more. But it's just now, um, you know, letting the players know that you know where they stand or they know where they stand. Uh, we're in this to develop um, to a, a certain aspect, but we're also in it to win championships. And so it's now being upfront and honest with all of your players. And, and those are about having hard conversations sometimes. And you, you only, I, I always say that on game day, you have 11 players that really like to coach. And then you've got seven players that sort of like to coach. And then all the guys that are not in the 18 can't stand the coach. Um, so uh, for me, it's about just being honest and, and also now being approachable and, and letting your players approach you when they have questions, uh, but also letting them have some say in, in everything that goes on within our locker room. So at the end of last season, you made the playoffs, you know, obviously didn't go that next level to, to play North Texas in the finals or, or um, to, excuse me, to play in the finals. Um, it wouldn't have it wouldn't have been against North Texas, obviously, because that's who uh, who you played in the semis. What you know after the the season ends, like you said, you have the eleven, you have the seven, and then you have kind of kind of the people who are fringe, maybe uh, making the eighteen on on game day. 
what are some of those conversations like? Is Do the players come and say, hey, I'd like to maybe move on, or I think I might have a little bit of extra stuff that I can show you next season and, and stay? What I mean, presumably it runs the gamut, but are, are there conversations like that? And, and do, do that happen like literally after you are out of the playoffs, or, or do, do you, does everyone breathe for a day or two before you have those conversations? Yeah, so in our case, obviously we, we go to North Texas, and, and it it's a great game. I, I don't know how many people actually watch the game, but for 60 minutes. I watched it twice. Yeah. <laughs> that's, that's one more time than I watched it. But, uh, you know, back and forth game, we felt it could have gone either way. Uh, we had some great chances. They obviously had good chances. And then, um, you know, Ricardo makes two great plays on the goals. But it's a, a process now of you kind of have to let it sink in a little bit. Uh, so we traveled back the, the next day after the game. We gave the players a day, and then on Tuesday we bring everybody in and we kind of have a, a closing meeting of uh, the team itself and, and the appreciation and ownership comes in and, and, and gives them their two cents of how they appreciated everything that we did this year and what we accomplished and what we can look forward towards next year. And then what we do as a club is we have individual meetings. And so we met with every player um, that was on our roster, including the Minnesota guys that were on loan to us. Uh, we brought them in and we sat them down and, and thanked them and, and talked to them about what we think their next step is as well. So uh, some of those are hard conversations because some of those players you're not going to bring back. Uh, some of them are making the decisions as to whether or not we're picking up options. Uh, obviously, the ones that you pick up their options or that are on, under contract or hit triggers in their contracts, those are easy conversations. Those are... Uh, Welcome is, back. Yeah, yeah. This is how long we have off. We'll be in touch. Right. Get you in touch with the strength and conditioning program, sports science program. This is what you need to do in the off season. See you on February 13th. Uh, the rest are, are hard conversations that now you have to make decisions. And obviously we brought back, I think, 10 uh, or 11 players from last year's roster, which is a pretty good number. Uh, yeah, you brought back a lot, of, a lot of your starters, certainly your key attacking talent, right? Yeah, so we guys did. Like between Eric Leonard and J.C. Banks and, and Don Smart and, and uh, Paolo Jr., right? Those are sure. you know, some of the, that nice core of your of your team right there. Yeah, it's a good core. Uh, we felt it was important with Don and Paolo, uh, obviously being our two leading goal scorers, that they needed to be back. J.C. is a, a legend in, in the state of Wisconsin, and he obviously earns uh, the opportunity to be back with us. And uh, Eric was a surprise for us but a pleasant surprise and so now that's a player who we had an option on that it was a no-brainer to pick up his option uh, and we think he's got an even bigger upside in year two so definitely players that you want to bring back you have those conversations and then there's a few players that you want to bring back that you just can't uh, based on salary restrictions based on foreign uh, based on injuries so those are the hard conversations that you have to have and it looks like, at least the rumors are, as we record this on uh, on Friday of the United Soccer Coaches Convention, that you might need a goalkeeper, because apparently Brian Silvestre is moving on. And you know, how, is that is that something that you're involved with, or is that something that's done at the at the you know level up from you in terms of negotiating, or, or how does that process work with uh, when a team approaches you and says, "Hey, we're willing to give you X number of dollars and some sell-on clause or something." for X player do they come to you or, or do they go elsewhere within the club yeah I mean I, I'm also the technical director right. so as the head coach and technical director I've now got to sit down with ownership and, and talk to them about some tough decisions and Brian was a very tough decision because uh, though we value him and, and, and we thought he was in, in our eyes the best goalkeeper in the league uh, stats Maybe don't show that, but towards the end of the year, he had the lowest goals against average. He had some real um, clutch saves for yeah, sure down so, the stretch. You guys so might not have made big, the playoffs at right, top end. No, hundred percent. Uh, yeah. and, and Brian, with him, it was uh, when we met with him. He was still under contract with us. Uh, he made it very clear that he loves his time in Madison. Uh, he enjoyed it. He was ready to be back. But the opportunity for him to go to Miami FC, it's home. Uh, he's from that area. Uh, so what we try to do with our players is we always feel like if your players are moving up levels, then you're doing right by them. Uh, but it also had to be financially right for our club. And uh, 
Uh, as we see now players starting to move from league to league, it can't be that we just give players away. And, and so uh, it was a hard decision. Uh, it was one that kept going back and forth. Uh, fortunately, Paul Dalglish, um, the president and GM of Miami FC, and myself have a great relationship. Uh, we spoke with Brian about it because at the end of the day, this was a decision that he had to be on board with. And I think if it's anywhere else, Brian doesn't go. Uh, but because it's home uh, and because it's the right fit, uh, this was a decision that not just soccer, but family and, and business-wise, it was a no-brainer for all the parties involved. And, um, you know, the decisions are ultimately mine and our owners. Uh, Connor Kaloya is our chief operating officer. So him and I sit down and, and decide, if, is this a good decision business-wise um, and soccer-wise? And he met with the other owners, and I met with my coaching staff, and we felt that... Um, this was a good move for everybody involved and uh, one that we just had to make. So what's your, so how's the search for a new goalkeeper going? (laughs) (laughs) It's uh, ongoing. Uh, It's funny because your phone, not that it's not ringing, but the the phone's ringing a lot more now. Uh, There's, there's a lot of goalkeepers out there. Uh, And well, goalkeeper's an interesting interesting position, right? Because there's only one, and then you have a lot of backups. You never really get to see that often, right? So the thing is, there might be a lot of good talent that has, you know, kind of percolates behind someone who's only marginally better, right? 100%. And, yeah. and so the issue you have is when you see a guy that reaches out to you and you say, okay, let's look at how many games he's played and now you're like wait a minute you've only played five games in the last two years and it's well i've been the backup to uh yeah, you know best, this guy the best yeah, guy exactly. in the league or so yeah, sure. uh you know i used jeff atnella as a great example when i was in salt lake we had nick Romando, and jeff was our backup and i used to say to our our brass jeff's good enough to start everywhere else but rsl <laughs> because we have nick um so jeff obviously moves on to portland uh does well until he gets injured so it is trying to find that guy who you think can put you over the top uh but maybe hasn't played as many minutes so there, there's some tough conversations some tough uh decisions you've really got to do your homework with with calling other coaches and and people that are involved uh with these goalkeepers uh unfortunately we've also lost ryan coulter uh, who's moving on to RGV uh, in a similar role that we had him in. Uh, again, a chance for a goalkeeper and a goalkeeper coach to move up a level and now be involved with an MLS team. And so the timing maybe isn't perfect for us. Uh, we've re-signed Brandon Barnes, who was one of our goalkeepers last year, and we're excited that Brandon's back. We think he has a bright future, but we also now are looking for uh, another goalkeeper that can uh, help us try to win a championship. Great. So last year you had a relationship with Minnesota United. Is that relationship going to continue in, into 2020? Yeah. I mean, as of now, it's uh, everything has been agreed upon. Uh, we're just trying to maybe dot some I's and cross some T's, but the, everything is leaning towards us having that relationship with them again. And, uh, you know, I guess until things are signed on a dotted line, you, you never say 100%, but I'd be very shocked if if it wasn't going to work right. out again. So last year, and, and we talked about this on the show before, um, you guys were relying on some of the loanees down from Minnesota for your team during the U.S. Open Cup period. Does that change now that there's a less condensed U.S. Open Cup schedule where you have games monthly instead of biweekly, basically, for the first couple of rounds of the Cup? Obviously, it helps with our rest schedule. Uh, our relationship with Minnesota won't change. Uh, their players won't be eligible for us uh, in the Open Cup because they obviously need them for their roster. So uh, it definitely helps us being able to balance our roster a little bit more. Uh, we've also taken a little bit of a different approach this year in building our roster. Uh, last year, we kind of built it around what we thought we were getting from Minnesota. Uh, this year, we've taken the approach to let's build our roster and then what Minnesota sends us is an added bonus. Um, so hopefully we'll be a little bit deeper this year uh, with our roster and we'll be able to offset 
when those guys aren't going to be with us with, with a deeper roster. So last year, uh, Ford Madison went further than any other USL, well, any other third division club at all uh, in the uh, US Open Cup. I take it that's one of your, I don't want to call it a requirement, but certainly it, that's probably one of your goals again this season? It, it is. I mean, we talk about you play you play this game, one, because you're passionate about it, but two, at the lower levels, any chance you get to make more money out of it, <laughs> it it's a great thing for the players. So the motivation is if you can be the, the last third division club standing, you're going to get a bonus. Um, so uh, our ownership was great with our players. Um, they gave them a very good chunk of the $25,000 prize that was split amongst our guys. Uh, but it's a chance to challenge uh, your players and, and challenge your organization to be the best in your league to go the furthest in a cup competition where last year, unfortunately, for whatever reasons, uh, the coin flip never went our way. And so now we never had a home game. Right. Uh, we're hoping this year that the coin flip goes our way and maybe we can host a game or two in the Open Cup because it would be great for our club to see a championship team in our stadium or if we can even get further you host an MLS team in your stadium and that just provides an even greater avenue for our fans to see soccer at the higher levels. So if you guys so with the US Open Cup starting a couple of weeks earlier now for when you guys enter the the league last year it was mid-May now it's the end of April does that change things significantly or is it just like another game within the overall schedule? No it changes drastically it's actually April 7th or 8th so it's oh. beginning of April so we'll only be There'll only be one match two, into yeah, the two season, games. Maybe two? I think okay. uh, we play the 28th and then the 5th, 4th uh, or 5th. So you're only two games in. So I think what it, it, it lends itself to is the possibilities of some of the our teams being a little more susceptible to being upset uh, against an amateur team if, if you get one of those teams. But um, it's great because it's a chance to really – get into that competition early and, and ramp it up and and give your players a taste of what you know real games are going to be like uh, in both competitions obviously in league games your your goal will be in to you know win the the league obviously during the regular season but even coming in top two you get a bye in the first round um that, that you know that would not be a bad place to be for your your playoff seating does the does the addition of a couple of more teams this year and the change in the playoff structure does that change your approach to the game or do you just say look we have to win as many games every time we go out on the field we have to try and win yeah we 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 have to finish in the top four this year in, in the league and, and the reason I say the top four is then that guarantees you hosting a, a playoff game um, last year was great that we made the playoffs um, obviously being the fourth seed, it's a tough draw to have to go to North Texas, which was a hard place to play. Um, so we were satisfied. Much less a hard. It was What's a hard, hard team to play. Yeah, much less a too. hard place yeah, to that play. Too. <laughs> um, but for us now, it's uh, hosting a playoff game, and uh, you know, we 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 feel like if we can host a playoff game, then we like our chances, obviously. Um, but for us, it, it's about getting to the championship game as well. So. Obviously, you want to be a one or a two seed because, like you said, you get that bye. Uh, you can rest players. Uh, but for us, it's getting into the playoffs first because that's a big key. Uh, but then after that, having the ability to host a playoff game to reward our fans for everything that they do for us, reward our ownership group for everything that they do for us. So our goal this year is not just make the playoffs but host the game. And, and listen, at the end of the day, we're coaches. We'd be lying if we didn't say we're not going to be satisfied unless we win a championship. So if you're in fifth place, last game of the season, and you have to win that game to come in fourth, you're going no, all No, we're out. going for the game. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, but it's uh, teams that watched us play last year. We It was very rare that we didn't go for a game. Yeah. Uh, you know, we lost four games at home, uh, won nothing. And it wasn't because we sat back and said, okay, let's take a 0-0 tie. Uh, we... We feel like uh, the way you're supposed to play this game is is you get after the game as best you can, and we want to win. Uh, obviously, we want to win every game. We know you're not going to win every game, but uh, on on the road, you might see us at the end say, "Okay, a point is a point. Let's take it." But at home, we're we're always going to go for a game. Right. Um, 
any, you know, so obviously you have your, your change in tactics, but, but in terms of recruiting some of your players, particularly, you know, lower down the roster, um, what's been your approach this offseason compared to last offseason when maybe you have a little bit more time because you know you don't have to scout 23 or 24 players. You already know that you, you're starting with half a roster already. Yeah, so... You know, we had a couple of uh, areas that we identified as where we need to get better. Uh, we, we felt like, obviously, on the wings, we're pretty good with Paulo and Don, Giro coming back. But then we were able to get Jamal Cox from Tucson. So felt like we, we took care of that position. Um, we, you know, center back is, is a need for us because, uh, you know, we're in negotiations with our captain to come back. But he's also getting a little older, and, and we need to get a little bit younger and, and a little bit not more athletic, but just guys that can play, uh, you know, asking Connor Tobin last year to play 32 games was a big ask of him, and he did it. Um, but we, we got to get somebody in there that he can start now mentoring and, and one day turn over a, a new leaf to. Uh, but for us, the biggest thing is, is we, we need a forward. Uh, where we lacked last year was scoring goals. Uh, and, again, I go back to the way we built our roster last year was around knowing we were getting Mason Toy. And so Mason came in early with us and did well. Uh, probably didn't score as many goals as, as we would have hoped for, but gave us a lot of good opportunities to score goals. And then he moves back to the to the big club and does really That's well. That's great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. Uh, that was a, a big need for us. So us going out and, and signing Woj uh, was a big deal for us. Um, and now it's can we find some more guys that – can help get us more opportunities into the attack. Uh, we signed the young uh, player Michael Vang that we just announced uh, recently that we're very excited about, 19 years old. We think he's got a huge upside. Uh, and now it's just really trying to figure out how, uh, you know, we were, we were second in the league in goals against average, uh, which is great. Uh, we need to be first in the league in goals against average. But we were sixth in the league in goals uh, four, and, and we need to be in the top two or three for that. Um, so it's just really now how do you balance out how you fill out your roster. It is a little bit easier because you have 10 to 11 guys coming back, but it's still hard because you're trying to find the players that still fit our culture, uh, the way we play. Uh, but also now want to be a part of, of what we've got going on in Madison. So last question, you've been very generous with your time. I appreciate it, Coach. Is, you know, we're on, just like last year, a lot of teams' rosters have turned over a lot. You're not going to have tape on people for the first, uh, you know, game or two. How do you prepare for those first couple of matches uh, in terms of, like, opposition research, right? You know, you, you, just, you don't have tape. Maybe you have tape on some of the players, but you don't have tape as, uh, on those teams as units. So yeah, sure. Is there anything uh, special? That well, I, I think a lot of these teams, they're not going to change the way they play. Uh, if their coaches are coming back, then you have a pretty good idea of what their styles are going to be. So we open the season at Richmond. So, again, we'll watch a little bit of Richmond tape, but we'll go back and watch more FC Tucson tape because with Darren going to, to Richmond from Tucson, I would imagine that he's going to bring his same style of, of play from Tucson to, to Richmond. Uh, maybe he feels like he's got some better resources there or, or whatnot. So you've got to do a pretty good job of, of figuring that stuff out. The other thing is, is preseason, you talk to a couple different teams that they'll play and try and get not a, a, a video scout, but at least a, a verbal scouting report. Uh, but then, again, the first month of the season is, is kind of feeling out teams and, and knowing that you're not going to the, win the league in month one. Uh, but you could lose the league in, in month one. Because if you go out and lose your first four games, uh, you're not out of it by any you know, stretch of the imagination. But now you're, you're climbing an uphill battle. And so um, it's one of those where you've got to do your homework, but you also have to trust your process and you have to trust the way you play and hope that teams don't really have a good grasp of what you're going to bring to the table. That was Daryl Shore, the head coach and technical director of Forward Madison FC. Coach Shore, thanks very much for coming back on League One Fun. Anytime. Happy to do it. And uh, thanks again for having me. Thank you for listening. Jason can be found at Home Sweet Soccer on Twitter. I can be found at Ira Jersey. And you can connect with the show at League One Fun. That's League, the number one fun. 
Thanks to our sponsor, Roughneck Scarves, official scarf supplier of Major League Soccer, United Soccer Leagues, and U.S. Soccer. Get your custom scarves for your group or team at roughneckscarves.com. Until next time, hashtag support local soccer. Mm-hmm.